Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. We are in this series in which we are looking at Mary, and today we're going to hear three different passages that uh, concern three different moments of her journey. And then we're going to reflect on what that journey then means for us. So we're going to start today with Luke 2, when they go before a prophet whose name is Simeon. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. And then from later in Luke, Jesus' mother and brothers came to him but were unable to reach him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who listen to God's word and do it. And then from John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have any wine. Jesus replied, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter. And they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called to the groom, And said, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, Jesus and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples went down to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 
Jesus has really messed up my life. I mean, I don't think I knew what I was getting into when I agreed to follow Christ. And, and, and Jesus has messed me up in, in all kinds of little ways even. Like, well, let's think about recycling. I might have been a recycler, but I recycle, and I recycle in part because of my faith. Because I know I am called to be a steward of the earth and that that is what I'm supposed to do. And I will tell you that in Plano, Texas and in Bentonville, Arkansas, that commitment's easy. Curbside recycling, throw it in a bin, off it goes, somebody takes care of it, right? West Memphis and Fort Smith were different deals. Uh, West Memphis, first of all, did not have curbside recycling. So I had to ask myself, am I really committed to this value or not? Was it a value of convenience or it, is it true to my faith? And I decided it is true to my faith. And so I stored up recycling in the garage and then I threw it in the back of my van. And then I drove down to the city hall about twice a month and sorted my own recycling. And it was not fun and it was dirty and messy, but it was part of the commitment that I had made. And then in Fort Smith, I thought I was doing great. Curbside recycling. Woohoo! Until while I was living there, we found out they were just dumping it all in the landfill. And now we have a social justice problem, right? I didn't need that for my day. And then when it comes to other things, you know, when it comes to food waste, for instance, a few years ago, I was just really convicted about the amount of food that I was throwing away. And I saw that as an invitation to the loaves and the fishes, right? There would be plenty if I would just share, if I didn't waste so much, which is a problem for our landfills, but it's also a problem for those that are hungry around me. Why is it that I can so callously throw so much food in the trash? And so it's needling me. And then, of course, there's all the moving I have to do, thanks to Jesus. (laughs) But it's not just me. There are difficulties in discipleship for all of us. Because discipleship does make demands of our life. Discipleship is a discipline. It is in the same root word. So, for instance, it means committing time on your Sunday mornings or committing time sometime during the week to designate out to worship, to bring yourself before the Lord and to offer that time and that energy to the Lord. And it's a reordering of your priorities, of making God at the center. And then there is, of course, the reality that discipleship calls us to association with people we don't understand. And some of that is in the commitment that this church has made to saying that all are welcome, which means we have a lot of different viewpoints and a lot of different ways of seeing the world, and we sit alongside one another and we make promises to love one another. But it also means being associated with people who call themselves Christian that we really wish they didn't. (laughs) Because it's embarrassing to be associated with them. They probably think it's embarrassing to be associated with us. But, you know, either way, there's that tension in discipleship. There's that demand on us from discipleship. And then there's, of course, the cost of discipleship, the time, the energy, the money that discipleship takes. And then there are those seasons where discipleship causes us to ask questions of ourselves. And sometimes those questions lead to spaces of deep discontent. Did we know this is what we were getting into? We were given a warning. I'm going to read the vows we take when we agree to become 
members in this church. And I want you to sit with how insane these vows are. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves, even as bad recycling? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with Christ, with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? We agreed to that, y'all. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that when we did, we maybe didn't really fully realize what that means. When my son was going through confirmation, he almost didn't take the vows of confirmation because he came to me and he said, Mom, I don't think I can take the vows. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm pretty sure I can't resist evil all the time. <laughs> Mm, I appreciated the honesty. <laughs> and I told him, I said, well, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful all the time, but it does mean you have to try. Do you think you could try? And he said, well, I think I can try. It's a lot that we agreed to. But you know what? Mary gets us. She had a heads up too, but did she really know what she was getting into? I mean, when Gabriel showed up and she got to sing the Magnificat, she was all in with this overturning of the world and bringing the Savior in the world. But as time goes on, I think she comes to terms with the fact that what she agreed to, she didn't maybe fully understand. And we get a hint of that in this moment with Simeon. She's had the child. She's brought him to the temple to dedicate him. And when she meets Simeon, she gets some really good news. This child is salvation and will take that salvation and be a revelation to the Gentiles and glory for Israel. That's some good news. She also gets some neutral news that he will be the rise and fall of many. Well, it depends on who's rising and who's falling, right? And he will reveal the thoughts of many. Well, again, it depends on who and which thoughts. And then she gets some bad news, that this child will generate opposition and a sword will pierce her innermost being. So I think I can understand why she was inconsistent about her commitment to this mission. We hear over and over that Mary ponders all these things in her heart. That is a space of wonder. That is a space of questioning. That is a space of reflection. That is a space of asking, do I really know what I am getting into here? But at times she is also all in. She kicks Jesus' ministry off. The miracle of turning water into wine at Cana was the first of Jesus' miracles in the Gospel of John. And she urges that on. She kicks off that ministry. She has absolute faith and trust and knowledge that whatever Jesus wants done will happen. 
And she trusts that she can ask it of Jesus and it will happen. She's all in on the mission there. But then we also read you the passage from Luke. And I read you the nicest telling of that. If you look at Mark in particular, the reason that they go to find Jesus is because Mary and the brothers are worried that he's crazy. (laughs) And they want him to shh and come home and get better. And he refuses them. She's not so sure about the mission then. Mary is the first disciple and she is a real disciple because she does have that moment where she's all in, where she is fully committed to the mission that is before. But she does have those moments where she has questions and she has concerns and she has wonderings. And then she does have moments where she backs out of this. Nope, 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 come on home. Let's not do this anymore. Come on, come on. And she pays the cost of discipleship in her son. But she is also never alone in the midst of it. She has Jesus, but she also has the others who follow Jesus, who are with her, who have those same questions, who have those same moments where they're all in and then have those moments where they're backing out, where they're not at the foot of the cross, where they can't be there, where they flee or betray or deny. So when we ask Mary, did you know, how could she? In part it is because of the magnitude of the reality that was unfolding before her that no one had ever seen before, but it is also in part the reality of discipleship, no matter when it takes place. Because discipleship is an unfolding. It is an entering into a story in which we don't know what next page is turning. We are just willing to make the commitment to turn the page. We are willing to make the commitment to be part of it, to see how things unfold and to be part of that unfolding, even though none of us can fully see what it is. I want to share a story from our own church in which a story has been unfolding over years and has invited people into the story. And this is in the creation of the Second Street Food Pantry, which years ago, people got together and decided we could share of our abundance. We could make sure that fewer people were going hungry. And they made that commitment, and they've made a bold commitment, and they've grown that ministry, and they have come to places where they can really, truly help people. But also this past year, they hit some struggles. And had to stop and ask those hard questions. What can we continue to do? With the limit in resources, with the rise in inflation, what does this mean for us and who can we be now? And they they admitted, maybe we can't be what we have always been. But they invited us into that story and shared that struggle with us. And so many of you responded in such powerful ways in giving more time and giving more goods and giving more money and being more present for the pantry. I was asking myself again about all of the food waste that I have. And I remembered that years ago, I used to keep track of how much food I wasted. And then I would give an equivalent amount of money to a food bank to pay for my sin of waste. And so I set up a regular 
payment to the food pantry because I'm still wasting food. And so that intersected with my journey. And maybe there are other ways that the food pantry has intersected with your journey and you have entered into that space with them. But it also went beyond our church. And the kids at Bentonville West got word that we were going to have to stop our disbursement of personal care items. And they decided it's too important for people to be able to put a good face forward. It's too important for people to have access to cleanliness and hygiene. It matters too much in our society for that to stop. And so they did a drive. And we have so many personal care items, we've had to find other spaces to store them because of the kids at Bentonville West. And I got to meet one of those kids who, who put in a $50 Amazon gift card of his own money to encourage people to come make a donation and be part of the drawing in order to possibly win that gift card. And if you want to hear more about it, there's a link on our Facebook page to the story that they did, in which you will also learn that not only did they bring in so many items, but they raised $2,500. Yeah. And that came from people sharing the story in all the places that we are. In the places of we're stumbling, in the places of we're struggling, in the places of we have belief in the miracle, in the places of, oh, I have a real space, I got to change. All of those things came together because we don't do this discipleship journey alone because we become part of a common story. And so it's why it's so important, no matter where you are in that journey, if you're in that space where you're all in, great. If you're in that space where you're backing way out, understandable. If you're in that space where you've got a lot of questions, all of those things are needed. All of those moments come together for this one powerful story where there's space for every one of those moments. And not only is there space, in the midst of when we cannot see and we cannot know, we have a God that sees and a God that knows, but a God that does not leave us alone in that space. A God that sends us Jesus Christ to bring that salvation, to bring the miracles, even in the midst of the piercing heart moments, to create the love. And a God who then brings all of us together in that space, in that story, to be a line, a verse, a moment. And a God who gives us Mary, the first disciple, who knows exactly what we're going through, even when we can't see where it leads. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, 
national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.